Hey, what up? This is Mike Estragillion. We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. Legal Gambling Council coming to you week 10. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, Nicholas Carr, Austin Gray. Gentlemen, welcome in to the show. I know we've had a uh, rough last two weeks, but as we always like to boast, we are still in the black. And uh, I would say... A rough last two weeks as a as a team, Austin and myself have enjoyed uh, two really good weeks in a row. Can't say the same for Nick though. Oh, can you not say the same for me? <laughs> I, I think I picked three Friday games in a row, and I'm zero and three. And like you just the taste you get in your mouth when you start a weekend zero and one on a Friday because I mean that means you've got a sweep to have a <laughs> week, and I never do so. Got to dig out of the hole. Got to stay out of those Friday games, it seems like. Um, ben is is going to Jonas mo- momentarily, so we will have some picks and some locks from him as well. Uh, if you are keeping score at home, we are 54 and 46 on the, on the year as a group. Uh, I referenced the last two weeks not being kind to Nick. That is because he went 0-6 and has lost his commanding lead. Uh, Yours truly is now in first place. Nick right behind me and Austin right there with him. And then Ben pulling up the rear and fourth. Our defending champ is uh, is struggling a bit. He'll be on here uh, to try to right the ship. And uh, get get y'all some some locks, but um, real quick before we jump into week ten, let's do a uh, little lightning round week nine recap. Ole Miss fifty four, Vandy twenty one. Uh, we recapped it on Sunday. Austin, I'll throw it to you since you weren't on the show with us. What were your initial thoughts after the absolute trouncing of the doors? I was, I mean, obviously really pleased with the effort. I think we were right in our uh, preview or picks preview for that game. Uh, that was not a Vandy team that was equipped to contend with a team like Ole Miss. Um, I, we just dominated them really from start to finish, and that's what you're supposed to do against a team like that. So, I mean, Corral was as impressive as I think I've seen an Ole Miss quarterback. And, again, I know the level of competition wasn't great, but even – Playing against air, it's tough to to complete that many passes and to 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 just run it up and down the field like like we did. Elijah Moore, incredible game, really putting together quietly. I mean, maybe maybe you guys disagree here. I, I'm not seeing national acclaim for Moore like you would At expect all. with the numbers he's generating this season. It's shocking. It really is, and I get that. Maybe he doesn't project as well. Um, for the NFL, and that's perhaps why you know he's flying under the radar. But but, dude is he's literally the best receiver in the country right now, and nobody talks about him. I don't get it because I mean, it is wild. Like I, I'm not saying he's better than Rondell Moore, but I just feel like he's kind of similar, like build and stuff to Rondell Moore. And y'all remember the talk he was getting at freaking Purdue the last couple of years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still I still say. Barring, you know, God forbid, an injury uh, or just the offense forgetting how to do what they've been doing for six games, 
He's on pace to break AJ's record in 10 games, and he's on pace for a thousand yard receiving season. He's on pace for a hundred reception season. I don't see unless which I think it's stupid to do this anyway. Um, they do it for the Heisman. I don't really know if they do it for other individual awards. But if he gets penalized and doesn't win the Bolitnikoff because he plays for an Ole Miss team that maybe goes four and six or five and five at best, it's just horseshit. Um, I could easily see him leading the SEC in all those categories, breaking AJ's record, and then they just hand the award to Devontae Smith. I mean, y'all yeah. know that's probably yeah, uh, what's no, going to happen. I fully expect that. Absolutely. But yeah, Moore's been on a tear, and and that was good to see that uh, he continued. And I'll say this for the defense, too. Again, Vandy is just inept and completely incompetent on, on, on offense, but the defense showed some good things. I mean, signs of life. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been, I think we've called a spade a spade. I mean, our defense is not good, and we haven't pretended like they are. But at the same time, we played Florida and Bama in that first stretch of games, and those offenses have made a lot of defenses look look bad. So, I think you know, I, I don't I don't think we're going to creep up into the middle of the pack in the SEC or anything. We're we're not a great defense, and we're not going to suddenly get more talented down the stretch. But again, you want to see the defense do exactly what it did against a team like Vandy, and that's virtually shut them down. I mean, they scored, you know, they're late. That the game was had been over for quite a while by, by the time they got that last touchdown. So defense did exactly what it was supposed to do. So I know that that got lost in the offensive performance and, and perhaps for good reason, it was an incredible offensive performance, but shout out to the defense for doing what we, uh, what we needed and what we expected them to do. Zach, you mentioned Alabama. I was going to say, you mentioned the, the Go ahead. more record. Is he, on, he's on pace to break AJ's record for a full season in just 10 games. Is that right? Yes, the single season rece- receptions record. Reception. Um, if you bear with me, I can pull it up. Um, here it is. Receptions. Single season, A.J. Brown, 85 in 2018. Laquan right there behind him at 82 in 2015. They're the only two in the 80s. You got Chris Collins, AJ in 2017, Laquan in 2013, and Shea Hodge that were in the 70s. Um, But right now he is uh, Elijah Moore through six games is at 61 receptions. Wow. So if you want to do some quick math for us there, Nick, I don't know. Um, He's averaging. He's averaging right at 10 and a half. Or. Yeah, I mean, he had the one off game against Auburn where he only had four yeah. catches. <clears throat> yeah, five. He had five. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much like the only time that he's even remotely been slowed down. This season, he's had 10, 10, 11, 11, and 14 outside of that one game. So, um, so yeah, on pace. And uh, yeah, I mean, Dude's really good. Uh, all right, so moving along, uh, we'll make the rest of these quick. Alabama blanks Mississippi State forty-one nothing. KJ Costello goes out with a with a concussion. 
Georgia beat Kentucky 14 to 3. My God, I'm so glad I didn't watch a single second of that game. The highlight um, of that game was watching Kentucky clock themselves, where they just literally were hoping <laughs> the game would end. You know, they just literally took their time on every possession, had absolutely no interest in trying to score. Yeah. Um, unreal. Absolutely unreal. Uh, Stetson Bennett threw 13 passes in this game. Uh, uh, yeah, not, not wow. of them were in the first uh, half. Terrible. They only threw four in the second half. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, don't ever watch that game. Um, Texas A&M plays with their food, beats Arkansas by 11. Um, only you can say that about Jimbo Fisher. I beat somebody by 11. Like, what a fucking – like, just a douchebag. Um. Yeah, they're a top 10 team. Doesn't make any fucking sense. The funniest thing about this game was that Kellamon is now the all-time yards, like career yards leader in AM history, and it's only because he's been there for four fucking years. So the funniest thing is that it took him that long to break Manziel's record that he set in two years, which is hilarious. That's crazy. And just just proves that he's severely overrated and very mediocre. Um, Florida and Missouri got in a uh, little scuffle. Um, the Gators promptly uh discarded missouri 41 17 uh we'll get we'll get to florida uh, when we get to our picks i'm feeling pretty spicy on that one and the weirdest one of the day talking about winning by 11 lsu scores 11 and gets their ass beat by auburn which makes no sense um we can talk a little bit about this one before we jump into picks it's the weirdest game because auburn did not look good at all against Ole miss uh, almost had a chance to win that game Probably should have won the game. Almost got screwed by the officials. I don't think there's any way around that. Anybody that says that that had no bearing on the end result of that game is just being fucking obtuse and stupid because it absolutely did. It took seven points off the board. Um, well, I guess six because who knows what Luke Logan will do now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did not see this happening. I thought Auburn would cover and LSU would win with like a last second field goal and win by like two or one or something. I figured it'd be a classic LSU-Auburn game, but my God, terrible. LSU just continues to just blow my mind with how inept they are. The best part of that game is the fact that both fan bases left pissed because Gus mm-hmm. may have yet again saved this job, maybe, and <laughs> and obviously LSU just continues the downward spiral. Yeah. Do we think that the LSU fans are still on the high from the national title and they think it's okay because Coach O talks funny, or do you think that they're getting a little tired of it? I don't know. It's an interesting question. As an Ole Miss fan, I would say, like, I would absolutely sacrifice a season for a national title. Um, But I don't know if they feel the same way. I think they thought that they had reached a point in their program where they were, like, in reloading mode rather than rebuilding mode. And that's just Mm -hmm. patently not true at this point. Look, not only are they not going to be good this year, I don't have much reason to believe that they're going to be very good next year either. Yeah, I was that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think there'll there'll be some growing sentiment when when they get you know schlacked by Alabama in two weeks. But I think next year, whenever things are kind of back to normal, and if they start slow again, which I anticipate they will, I think that's when people are going to be like, okay, maybe the 2019 team is an aberration. Yeah. I mean, just the absolute perfect storm, no pun intended, uh, cause this 2020 sucks in general, but hurricanes are no laughing matter. That's, uh, it's been 
ridiculous what people down in Louisiana and Alabama and other places have had to deal with. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they had the best player in the country last year. They had probably uh, the best group of receivers that college football has seen in a long time. They had a great defense, two great coordinators. All that's gone, and uh, they're left with uh, starting a true freshman quarterback that I thought looked pretty good in his first game and then looked like a true freshman against Auburn. So um, we love to see it. LSU looked hapless. We don't love to see Auburn doing that, but it's also funny, like you said, Austin, <laughs> they're probably going to be stuck with Gus for at least another year or two. So, um, all right, Nick, I'm going to throw it to you. Week 10, let's go ahead and jump right in and uh, let's, 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 let's crank up the van and let's get going. Yeah, we were talking about it before we started. This is not a great slate. It's not, I mean, it's not a terrible slate, but there's only four games and one of them is Vanderbilt MSU. So, We'll just start there. I, I don't. We don't have a ton to say about this, other than um, I had a, a, an MSU friend that said, uh, or an acquaintance, I suppose, uh, that said that this line seemed way too high because uh, he thought it should be more like a pick'em, which I mean was just him being ridiculous about oh, about MSU. But I, it, he's crazy. This line's yeah. eighteen points too low. I watched that Vanderbilt team last week. That would that would be a good game against Oxford High School. They are terrible <laughs> and so I, I didn't read the line but it, it's msu minus either 18 or 19 in startful and the over under is 45 and a half i mean i think that's a over because I, I mean msu could score 60 I, I, this is a game where leach wants to come out and kind of prove that his offense works in the sec that Vanderbilt team cannot win an sec game it won't happen this weekend So this is interesting to me. Bill C has the against the spread pick as Vanderbilt. Hmm. How about that? Um, I've honestly gone back and forth on this one. I think I want to lay the points here. Um, I, I think that's a great point, Nick. Leach is going to do this whole like, see, 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 I told you this works in the SEC. I told you the LSU game wasn't a fluke. And it's like, yeah, but it's against Vanderbilt. Um, I'm with you. I don't know how Vandy scores. Mississippi State's defense is not all that bad. Like, they're not great, but they're competent. I mean, they're like Ole Miss. Like, they're going to get some stops on third down, and I think that this is definitely a game where Leach tries to run it up, and it's at home, and he's going to try to show the boosters, like, see, like, you know, you didn't make a mistake by hiring me. Like, it's all good. The only thing that gives me pause here is what's KJ Costello's availability if it's not him, is Will Rogers going to be good enough to torch Vandy? Now, Vandy is really bad. They don't have a ton of talent, but Derek Mason is still a pretty solid defensive coach. Like, Is he going to be able to cook up some things to confuse the true freshman? I don't know. If Costello plays, I think they absolutely put up a bunch of numbers. I'm going to say lay them, but tread lightly here. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I, I would just add from an analysis standpoint, you have to start uh, in the same place that we start every week with Mississippi State, and that is can their opponent scheme against them and can they tackle in space? I think Vandy can probably scheme up the air raid. I think Mason's at least competent enough to understand you need to drop eight, but there I have no confidence in Vandy's ability to make plays in space and to shut State's offense down. Um, they don't have SEC caliber athletes on defense at this point. So I think even if Vandy schemes them up, 
state's going to find ways to get on the board. Now, state's locker room is still, you know, in disarray. Um, surprisingly, the defense has continued to hold the rope throughout uh, the scoring droughts this season. Um, so I expect them to shut Vandy's offense down, even if Rodgers plays for state rather than Costello. For me, it's a question of can state get to 24, 28, or 31. I think yes, yes, and yes. And you probably get a cover at any of those numbers um, with the way Vandy's playing on offense and having to go on the road. As y'all said, Leach has all the motivation in the world to prove that his offense can work and they can get on the board. Um, so, yeah, I, I think state wins and covers, but uh, it's a total stay away. Uh, you'd think you'd think to for like safety purposes, they would just give Costello a week off to get ready for the, the home stretch. But, yeah, like is Leach going to be able to swallow his pride and trust Will Rogers? Because – I think you could absolutely get like a 31-10 victory here for State and easily cover. Um, or I guess not easily cover, but that would be a cover. But, um, but yeah, I mean, can the true freshman do it? And you know Derek Mason being a West Coast guy, you know he's probably talked to Stuart Lake, the defensive coordinator at Washington, who's now the head coach that's famous for, you know, saying that it was easy to stop Mike Leach for so many years in a row because he never changed anything. I'm sure he's probably reached out to coach Lake to uh, get some pointers, but yeah, not the most watchable game, mm. but fascinating to see what state does. Yeah. Just for, as an aside, Vanderbilt, now they've only played four games. They scored 47 points this year. Um, yeah. Oh my God. And seven of those were in, I mean, I mean, honestly, all 21 points against Ole Miss were in garbage time because it was never really close, but seven of those points were truly in garbage time against Ole Miss. I mean, they scored, 12, 7, 7, and 21. And, the, and their margin of, of defeat this year is 5, 34, 34, and 33. So, I mean, that 5, it just – I mean, it was a different team playing. But I, I don't think Nick Saban could could win a game with this Vanderbilt team. I just – I know you said they talked to, you know, to Jimmy Lake and, and you know, he might have something up his sleeve. Yeah, but Jimmy Lake, not, not – <laughs> did I say Stuart Lake? Wow. What well, he might talk to Stuart Lake. I mean, you talk about shutting down a defense, yeah. shutting down an offense. But um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, the Vanderbilt team just – He may have talked to Ricky Lake. <laughs> Could, yeah. All right. The next game up in the <laughs> SEC, um, like I said, we don't have a ton going on here. But uh, this one – this will be kind of sneaky good. I mean, we've, we've talked about South Carolina is – Competent. I mean, I think that's probably the best way to describe them is they're they're not terrible. Texas um, mm-hmm. a goes on the road to South Carolina, and I've got it at South Carolina anywhere from uh, excuse me Texas a And M anywhere from minus seven and a half up to eight and a half, and the over under is right at fifty five and a half. Uh, um, I feel like this, this one. This is a game Texas A&M could lose if they don't play well. I really think so, and I, I don't. I'm not in love with South absolutely. Carolina. Absolutely, they, they could. This is a game they could lose. The number surprised yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not in love with with A&M at all. I've, I've made my, I've, I've said my piece about Kellamond and Jimbo. They're due to lose a stupid one. I don't know if it happens this week. Maybe it's down the road. They tried to screw around and maybe do it last week, but I feel like this one is going to – I think A&M 
covers. So I'm going to lay the points here, but I don't think it's, it's going to be a lot like last week. It's not going to be very dominating at all. It's just, it's a classic Jimbo, just running the ball a lot with, um, you know, just essentially just feeding the ball to, um, I'm drawing a blank on his damn name, but, uh, they have a really good running back. I can't believe I'm drawing a complete blank on his name. Um, good Lord. Great pod. Uh, Isaiah Spiller. Good Lord. Um, let's, let's really good running Spiller's back. I think they played at Clemson a few years back. Y'all might remember is kind of a speed demon. Yeah. 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 That's, that's correct. It's just going to be a classic a game where they don't ask Kelamon to do too much. It's going to be a lot of play action, throwing it to the tight end. Watermeyer, former Ole Miss rec- uh, recruit. Really good player. It's just going to be a lot of ball control, and I think South Carolina gets some stops because their defense is still good, even though they're kind of mediocre everywhere else. Uh, I don't think that Colin Hill can can do enough. Shy Smith has had a phenomenal year so far for the Gamecocks, but just too much spiller, and I think that this is an easy easy cover for AM, but it's going to be the ugliest easy cover. So lay the points. I'm surprised you're that bullish on A&M here, Zach. I, South Carolina coming off the bye, I, I think anything over a touchdown feels a, a touch high for me. A&M also has Tennessee on deck next week. Not that that's a rivalry game, yeah. but you would expect them to be looking ahead to that one more than they are looking yeah. to, to this game. I don't know. South Carolina, we've we've said this before on, on the pod, I it just feels like they're they're adequate. It is they're, a road game. Competent. Too. Yeah, they're competent in in every position on the field. They don't really have outside of Sha Smith maybe really any elite guys, but they're not bad anywhere. Um, you know, Muschamp certainly needs this one probably. I mean, I, I, look, I think his I think his job is safe at this point. Don't get me wrong, but this would be a feather in his cap in the shortened season. Um, they've already gotten the Auburn once, right? Texas A&M is not an entirely dissimilar team to Auburn, really. I, I I think South Carolina can pull this off outright, but I'm I'm certainly taking the points here over a touchdown. I, I do like this pick, Austin, because I'll follow up. South Carolina and Will Muschamp tend to play up to their competition. Uh, they do it a lot with Georgia. They obviously beat them last year. They played out of their minds in that game. They do play you know a little over their heads in games and i think that that could easily be in play here it's it's at williams bryce it's not going to be a full capacity rocking sandstorm all that space odyssey 2001 but they play well at home and like you said they're pretty competent in every position it only takes a couple kelamon picks or um you know big third down stops um to get the ball back. Shy Smith could run a punt back. Who knows? Um, their defense is very salty. Uh, JC Horn is having one of the best years for a cornerback in college football. He has uh, been playing out of his mind. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see that. So, and not just, the just add here, craziest thing. Jim, Jimbo is one of those guys that is content to let the game be played at a snail's pace. They don't force mm-hmm. tempo. I mean, mm-hmm. if he can get out of there running 45 plays and winning 13 to 10, they'll do it. So uh, 10 points is a lot in a game like that. The, the more I look at it, though, the more I'm – while you guys were talking, I, I went went back and looked at what, who they've played thus far. 
And their postgame win expectancy, according to Bill C., is, is 23 against Tennessee, 1% against Vanderbilt, excuse me, against Florida, 9% against LSU, and then they've got a 92 against Vanderbilt and, um, and a 52 against Auburn, which tells me that that Auburn game was kind of an anomaly, that they've actually not been very good this year um, when they're playing decent teams outside of the Auburn game. And I, that Auburn team is just so finicky, and they're so up and down that I don't know if that's – uh, that's a, a, a function of South Carolina kind of just being, you know, confident enough to not screw it up or if that's, you know, Auburn just being that bad uh, at times. So the more I see it, he's got the line at 11. I might take Texas A&M if it dropped to seven here at seven and a half. That just, that just screams Texas A&M winning the game 28-21. And you're sitting there. Oh, are, we, are, are we down to seven and a half? I thought we were still up around nine and a half or ten. I'm seeing it. Now this is you know this is just Vegas I see it inside. at ten. I'm seeing it at, at seven and a half. Is that oh seven and a half or eight and a half? I see, Bill Bill C has it at ten. That's what I was looking at. This is according to Vegas Insider. I mean, this is not an on actual book, okay. but uh, at at Circus Sports, I think they've got it at at seven and a half. Yeah. Okay. So, which I mean, which probably changes who you take. I to me. It's a stay away game because that's it's a game I lose twenty one fourteen, and you know it was never all that close, but it was you know never a blowout either. Um, so, okay, so wait, Nick, are you and Austin taking them to taking the points here? Yeah, that's my lane. I'm not going to get involved from a lock standpoint, yeah. but I, I'm definitely taking the points if I've got to bet it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think if. if I think right. if I'm getting, I would go all the way up and get eight and a half because you can still get eight and a half on uh, on one of the sports books on on Bet three six five I think. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm taking eight and a half there, but yeah, not definitely not locking that in. Um, all right, this uh, this could this could be a, a very good game. I mean, I was I had a friend that's a, a Tennessee fan, my, my my neighbor actually, and he asked me what did I think the line was going to be, not to brag. I told him, I said, I thought Tennessee would be three-point favorites. That's what it opened at. Uh, Tennessee goes to Arkansas, and it's you can get it either at Tennessee minus one-and-a-half or Tennessee minus two. Uh, and I'm seeing over-under you know, fluctuating kind of around 52 to 53. I think this is the perfect game for both for programs fans, here. Okay. <laughs> two programs <laughs> – that feel like they're back. Maybe Tennessee have pumped the brakes, but I feel like they always think they're back. Um, Arkansas fans are getting awfully chirpy on Twitter. Um, had a couple, <laughs> had a couple uh, get in my mentions today, uh, going all the way back to when uh, they tried to hire Lane Kiffin, and he said, "No, nah, I'm going to Oxford." Um, awfully, awfully bullish on the two and three hogs. Um, I, I think it, I think his name uh, Thunderhog. He was very excited for Sam Pittman to be two and three. Um, the balls are not back, and the hogs are not back. I, uh, I I definitely am going Tennessee here. I just think Tennessee is far too talented defensively, and they're going to really get after Felipe Franks. I mean, Felipe Franks is still Felipe Franks. He's not very good. Uh, Kendall Bryles is an excellent offensive coordinator. He's a very very good. Play caller, offensive mind. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. Um, they're still dealing with a lot of injuries. 
their defense played out of their minds against Ole Miss, but I just think that Tennessee has got enough weapons. Um, Eric Gray is a really good running back. I think he's, you know, kind of similar to what Jerry Neely brings to the table. Jerry Neely kind of had his way with the Arkansas defense, was able to get in space and create problems. Um, I just don't think Arkansas is there yet. Um, now, all jokes aside, Sam Pittman's done a great job. They've been much better than I thought than I thought they'd be this year. Uh, and I think Arkansas fans can be excited for something like that. I just don't think they're there yet. Uh, maybe this game is weird and it's tight late, but I still think that Tennessee pulls it out, something like 28-23 or something. Tennessee's going to win ugly no matter what because they're just not very good. But defensively, they've got a ton of talent, far more blue chips on that side of the football than Arkansas. Um, so I'm going balls here. Yeah, I agree. Zach and I are seeing a lot of these uh, similarly tonight. I, look, Tennessee is as much fun as I have in mocking all of their losses and the Vols are back stuff. They've lost <laughs> tough games this year to pretty quality teams. I mean, Georgia and Alabama sort of speak for themselves. And that Kentucky loss was just weird. I mean, two back-to-back pick sixes, and all of a sudden the game was out of hand and Kentucky could just sit on Tennessee and smother them for the rest of the game. Um I think Tennessee does to Arkansas what A&M did to Arkansas, and that's impose their will at the line of scrimmage. They're not going to ask Orantano to chunk the ball around the yard. They're going to line up behind their, their, their really quality offensive line with their two really good backs and just run up and down the field on Arkansas. And I also think last week is worth mentioning here, Arkansas covered against A&M, but I think that was a back door. I think they snuck in like late – to, to get the cash, but Arkansas wasn't ever really a threat to win that game. I think Tennessee is in many ways, you know, maybe a, a poor man's A&M um, and on a sh- with a short number, one and a half, two, whatever it is, under a field goal. You, you're, you're talking pick them. Tennessee's roster is much more talented. They are coming off of a bye week. They don't have a particularly big game on deck. I mean, A&M comes to town, but that's, I guess my point is it's not really a rivalry game. They'll be back home in Knoxville. So this is a quick trip over to Arkansas. I don't see any way you can back the Hogs here. Yeah, I don't, this number's entirely too low. There's something, I guess, about Fayetteville. Maybe it's just because it's, you know, on the other side of the planet, or maybe it's just I'm, I'm yeah. jaded because of how how poorly we've played up there. But I don't – I mean, this number seems a little low to me. I mean, like you said, especially if it's under a field goal. I mean, basically at one and a half or two points in college football, you're you're, you're saying who's going to win outright. And I think that's Tennessee. I mean, the, the Tennessee defense here is the factor. If I'm looking at the four, you know, offense, offense, defense, defense, if I'm looking at those four things, the best one on the field is Tennessee's defense. And I don't mm-hmm. – I know Felipe Franks is not a game changer. I definitely don't think Guarantano is either, but I, I, I don't. I'm not in love with the Arkansas defense. I mean, it, they're pretty good, you know, from a coaching standpoint. But I don't think Tennessee's terrible um, that that way. So I, yeah, Tennessee here on the road. Arkansas has still got a step to go. I I think people are going to realize at the end of the year just how well Arkansas played in their wins because they're they're, they're devoid of talent. Uh, they're big time devoid yeah. of talent on offense. And I think that that's probably going to show itself this weekend. Also, quick note, Arkansas is perfect against the spread this year. I think we're due for serious regression at some point. I mean, there's no way they run the table against the number. So it's. I think at some point this is going to catch up to them, maybe starting with this okay, week. Okay, so I'll, I'll just hop in and say that I, I think that's through six games. 
and they said the Cowboys are looking to start the season 0-8 this week against the spread in the NFL. And it'd be the first time in yeah. like 34 years <laughs> anyone's done that, just to give you an idea of how rare it would be if, if Arkansas continued covering. Yeah. Wow. What's up? Hey, hey, there he is. I'll, I'll dissent here. I, I, I think Arkansas wins outright. Oh. Tennessee cannot throw the ball. They have not hit 200 yards passing like in three years in a game. Uh, Arkansas, yes, they played very well and they are devoid of talent and or played very well in their wins and they are devoid of talent. All of those things are true. However, I don't know why we think suddenly Tennessee can roll in there and beat them when Ole Miss, who was for all intents and purposes, humming when they got to Arkansas on offense and they intercepted Matt Corral how many times? Six, seven? And then and they did the same thing to Mississippi State. And I know you throw that out the window, whatever. I just I think Arkansas is good enough at home to keep this game close. And only because the group is going is three and oh for Tennessee. Sometimes lines are too good to be true. I think this is one of those times. Give me Arkansas, um uh and the points, do what? Do I get three at home? Is that well, right? It started off as three. It was it was down at, I think the best number you can get is two and a half. I'm obviously, that's fine. Give me Arkansas plus two and a half. Uh, I'll be the dissenting opinion here. Yeah, two and a half. Maybe the key here, maybe the key here for Arkansas is in order to win, they have to have it. The quarterback they're playing against throw at least three interceptions. Well, you know. One thing that could help Tennessee, now I'm thinking about it, is they know they can't pass. So maybe they're just not going to try it and just run yeah. over Arkansas. I, I, I'm still – I mean, I didn't even – Ole Miss going to Arkansas and just run the football, Ole Miss would have left with a win. Yeah, if they, had, if they had done what they did against Auburn, when Auburn was – I mean, Kiffin said they were running the Arkansas defense and they made a mid-game adjustment and went heavy run with Ely and Connor and um, let Matt Corral keep it a couple times, and they had a ton of success. That's a great point because I I mentioned Eric Gray, but, I mean, Ty Chandler's no slouch. I mean, they could just lean on those two and that humongous offensive line that they have and just play ball control and just keep Kendall Browse's offense off the field and, you know, win an ugly one. Um I don't think that's a terrible pick, Ben. I mean, Arkansas is playing well, and it's not a big line, and Tennessee's not super good or anything. But I don't know. Defense travels, and Tennessee's got a lot of dudes over there. So I, that's what I, I lean Vols here. But this, I, I just, I probably wouldn't watch this game. I can't get past the fact that they got blown out by Kentucky at home. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not good football team. Yeah. All right. That's also right, a great speaking point. Speaking of teams that uh, have blown out Kentucky, uh, and like Austin, you mentioned earlier, Georgia beat Kentucky like fourteen to three last week. It might as well have been forty to three. Uh, it's the uh, deep south, not deep south old rivalry, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Florida, Georgia from Jacksonville, Georgia minus three or three and a half, and the over under is across the board at fifty two and a half. All right. Going against the grain here. We're going against the book. Throwing all the records out, all the metaphors. Um, I'm going Gators. 
I called it when we did our season preview. I said Florida would win the East. I said Dan Mullen probably has his best team he's ever had there. He's been building towards this for a couple years. I think the Kyle Driver is going to be in full effect. Um, this one's essentially a pick 'em, uh, or per the projected score, not the line. Uh, Bill C has it at twenty six twenty six projected. Um, so obviously the against the spread pick is is Florida. I think Florida wins outright. I don't think Stetson Bennett is very good at all. Um, they can make them one dimensional. And I think as good as Georgia's defense is, Alabama tore them to shreds through the air. And I think Kyle Trask is every bit as good as Mac Jones. And I don't think anybody's figured out how to stop Kyle Pitts yet this year. Um, I'm going Gators. I think Georgia's kind of in a weird spot right now. Um, They don't really know who they are offensively. We all know how good that defense is, but... I think Florida is going to be able to score on them. And I just, I mean, come on. If I ask all of y'all right now in a shootout, who are you taking? Stetson Bennett, the fourth, or Kyle Trask? It's very easy. I'm taking Florida outright winning this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to interject quick because I'm going to agree with Zach. I think Florida wins. I think Florida wins outright. I In a game where the talent to me is not over, it's, it's comparable Give me the team with the better quarterback. And mm-hmm. I personally think Kyle Trask is outside of um, some games for Matt Corral. Kyle Trask looked better to me than Mac Jones. And Florida on offense, they did not look far off from Alabama to me. I'm not saying Florida, I'm not out here saying Florida is Alabama before somebody puts words in my mouth. I definitely <laughs> think they're good enough to beat Georgia. And I definitely think they win the battle at the quarterback position. Kyle, I mean, Kyle Trask is a hundred times a quarterback of Stetson Bennett is. So may not be as good at balancing a budget, but he's a better quarterback. So um, <laughs> give me Florida. How many points are we getting here, Nick, with Florida? You can get three and a half, but that's the best I can do for you. All right. I want to lock in Florida plus three and a half. Um, Ooh. I, yeah. I, I, I concur with Zach and Ben, and it's really similar to the analysis that we used earlier in the year in the Bama-Georgia game where we flipped, you know, strength on strength to look at the other side of the ball. Florida's defense is not spectacular by any stretch, but they're just a few spots behind Bama's defense in S&P+. I think Florida's at 25, Bama's at like 18 or 19 maybe. So, again, the question comes down to, as Ben said, which quarterback would you rather have? And that's not really even a question. The Stetson Bennett, you know, thing was cute earlier in the season. But with each game, we're beginning to see more and more why he was a walk-on, why he was a practice squad guy. He just can't get it done in big games against quality defenses. I think Florida is more than capable of making life difficult for him. They're going to stack the box. They're going to make him win one-on-one matchups against Florida's corners, who I think they get one back this week who's been dinged up. Speaking of being banged up, on the other side of the ball, Georgia's defense has got some serious injuries. They lost a starting defensive tackle. Um, a second one I think is questionable, and they lost their starting safety who had a motorcycle accident. Mm. I think the kid's mm-hmm. going to be okay, but he's at least out this game and maybe longer. 
those are serious losses. And I think the kids backup, the Georgia safety's backup is also a little banged up. So Georgia does not come into this game with a fully healthy unit on defense. Um, even if they were, though, I think Florida and Mullen can move the ball against them. Florida is really good at a lot of different positions. But, you know, Pitts is probably the best in the country. Do you trust a backup safety in that matchup against them? I certainly don't. I think Florida wins outright, but I will definitely take three and a half points uh, as an insurance policy. Is that is that Richard LeCount that, that was – that's right. Okay. Yeah. He's not just the safety. He did he did tweet and Yeah, he did tweet and say he was good, but I think Georgia's gonna let him rest this week. Yeah. I mean he's not just a safety, he's the best player on defense, I think. Uh so I mean that, that's yeah. a big loss. I don't yeah, maybe, him or Nicobe Dean. Well, yeah, of course. I'm about behind behind him. But I, I think that <laughs> this line Mississippi made. Yeah. Line seems too good to be true almost. I mean I Y'all, all three were in favor of Florida. I'm t- I want to take the points as well. I thought about locking it in. I mean, I look at the Georgia offense, and I don't think they could score uh, and, and hang with Florida like this. I don't think the Florida defense is great. I also think it's possible that the that Florida was sort of banged up early in the year, and they played some pretty good offenses. I mean, the Ole Miss, Ole Miss is a you know pretty good offense. It's not you know they're playing just you know Vanderbilt and giving up all these points. I, I do think. I, I do feel like the Vegas might know something. It's a neutral site game, and Georgia's you know a, a field goal favorite, which just doesn't sit right with me. It, it it seems like there's something that we're missing. I mean, especially when you factor in you know Georgia's one of their best defensive players is out, and they're still favorite. All that said, I'm still not taking Georgia because I don't think they can score with them. I mean, I, and coming into the year, I thought Georgia was the second best team in the SEC. I watched them, you know play Alabama and and maybe that is the second best team in the SEC. Maybe Alabama is just that much better, but I don't think that they match up very well with each other. Uh, Georgia that matches up very well with Florida. I mean, I don't, what can their offense do to stay in this game? I I don't, and I've said all along, I didn't think Samir White was like a feature back that you build your offense around. And I know Stetson Bennett's not a feature quarterback. You build your offense around. So I'll take Florida as well, just because there's not a ton I love about this Georgia team, except the defense. And I don't think the defense is going to be enough. This is not exactly a data-driven argument here, but like for Dan Mullen, if not now, then when? If, if you can't beat mm-hmm. this Georgia team, you're never going to. Yeah, that's a great point, and I, I think they get it done. I, I really do. I think the quarterback to tight end connection is far too strong, and then, yeah, the question marks all over Georgia's offense. I mean, who knows? So um, it'll be a good one. That's easily the marquee matchup in the SEC to watch this weekend Uh, we're going to take our break we'll come back we'll have the rest of our locks and look at the other games around the country so hang tight we will be right back with the legal gambling council week 10 It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? 
All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your Ole Miss grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And as always, OD encourages you to share sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. Gentlemen, let's 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 go ahead and hop right in here. Um, 
if anybody has a lock ready to go, go ahead and jump in. I'm still mulling over a couple right now. Um, but yeah, if anybody's got one, fire away. Yeah, uh -oh. I've got one, and uh, it's a it's a Ben Woodhouse special here, but it's not a team <laughs> that he would expect. It's an Ohio State game, but again, not taking Ohio State here. As crazy as that seems, I know they say good teams, you know, win, great teams cover. Ohio State's been a great team for years now. When whenever Meyer was there, even when Jim Tressel was there, they like to have a a sixty six to three early in the season victory to kind of help the boosters out a little bit and, and you know fill those pocketbooks. Uh, Urban Meyer did the same thing, and Ryan Day started off the same way. They got the cover last weekend, but Ryan Day is playing a guy who's been in Columbus the last few years. This is a totally different Rutgers team than you've seen in the, in the past couple of years, and I believe they're getting 38 points. Not your father's uh, In this matchup, which is just entirely too many for – yeah, I've got it <laughs> right at – it's it was not even your older brother's Rutgers, you know, honestly. It's uh, it's a Rutgers team. The defense is a ton better, and honestly, just looking at, it, I believe in in the last forty four Power Five uh games of, of teams with more than thirty five point spreads, I believe in the last forty four, it's it's maybe fifteen and nineteen uh, of teams not covering that, or excuse me, fifteen and twenty nine of teams not covering that. That's a lot of points. I mean, it's five touchdowns and a field goal. So I mean, if you think that. That Ohio State, excuse me, if you think your Rutgers can score a touchdown, at that point you're asking Ohio State to, to score 45. I don't know that Ryan Day is going to want to do that against Greg Schiano, just knowing kind of how, how long they were on the Buckeye staff together. So I'm going right. to take Rutgers plus 38, it. lock it in. I think that's a great angle. I think you're right. I, right, I, I doubt that they have the motivation to just embarrass Schiano. North Carolina minus 10.5 at Duke. Duke is absolutely miserable. And I know that Sam Howell and company are going to be itching in this rivalry game to make a statement. North Carolina's not bad, and Duke is very bad. So I'm going Tar Heels big in Durham. Ten and a half. I like it. What did you say the line was? Just want to make sure. So it's North Carolina. Yeah. All right. I, I do have a quick um, question, and I'll I won't I'll yeah, come yeah, I'll good. come back around, or somebody could steal it if they want. That's fair. Is Nebraska playing this week? Yeah. Okay. Might might circle back on that one. I think Carry so. On. Northwestern. Ben, do you have a lock for us? I'm on mute. Sorry, we're on this new system. I forgot that I was. They're called computers. I'm yeah. used to being on mute. They're called do computers. What? <laughs> so, well, I'm very computer illiterate. I, I, find, I used to make fun of the, the youth. older people in my Boys. family for not being able to figure them out, and here youths. I am. Um, the youths. Okay. I was saying what? the opposite of old people. Sorry. Anyway. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I, so I'm going to do the same thing I did last week, even though it burned me. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a game on Thursday, a game on Friday, and a game on Saturday. 
Uh, because at this point, it just is what it is. Um, look, Colorado State got killed last week. Did they not? So Wyoming goes there as a three-and-a-half-point favor on a Thursday night. I think that uh, I'm actually going to take the Rams here at home on a Thursday night. Um, but if for only reason is Thursday night games are weird – and I always like to lean the home team. I can't remember what the record is overall. It's something absurd. I will say um, um, another play here, if you're, if you're feeling froggy, take the under 52.5. The game opened at 43.5. It's already gone up nine points. So take under 52.5. That's just playing against uh, just you know taking, taking the extra cushion there. Um right. But I'll go Wyoming, Colorado so State. Give me Colorado State plus four. We're going against um, I'll take the Rams. I don't hate it. I mean, I do like the angle. Yeah. Of like Thursday nights are typically weird. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I don't like the Thursday yeah. games this week, no, but that, I told I, myself I was going to just do this every week. So – um. Yeah, and truly, if y'all want to put a little asterisk next to that, I think right. the under fifty two and a half is what's going to hit. But um, I'm going to play straight lines. So, and well, just by the way, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that today is Mark Morrison Day. The power Mac action is back. It is. I don't know if it anybody's is. watching, and you definitely should not be. But. Did it? Akron kicked off with an onside kick Nothing tonight. Going uh, on tonight. Game. I'll do you one better. Akron opened the max season by kicking off with an onside kick, and it got called back for a penalty. Like that is maxion. <laughs> that's just perfect. Um, all right, so here's my luck. I blasphemed Mormon Manziel earlier in the year against Houston, and I was punished for it. So I'm now atoning. Give me BYU minus three. At Boise, uh, I think BYU is legit. Like they're good in the trenches. They've got good skill guys, and Zach Wilson at QB is like a top five QB. He's incredible to watch. He's really fun to watch. He may like different arm angles, throws off the back foot. Jeff Grimes has the offense rolling. That offensive coordinator there. Uh, Boise may be playing the backup, who's actually pretty good in his own right. But they also lost a few defensive pieces against Air Force like last week. And although they uh, they covered for me against Air Force, they didn't look incredibly impressive doing so. They had one big play to open the game and then kind of just um, grounded out against Air Force, who I don't think is a very good team. So give me BYU. Uh, it should be an easy cover with three. That's bold. <clears throat> that, yeah, that's – that's a scary pick, man. Because Boise, especially at home, I mean that. But you know, like you said, BYU's been really, really right. good this year. So. Well, I was gonna say if you, I'm if not you scared. weren't ready, I had one. All right, if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna go ahead, Zach. Um, no, me, you take it away. I don't think um, you're gonna take the one I've got. All right, so I am going to go. I think this is prime letdown spot. I'm going. To, I'm probably going to just immediately regret this when we get off the air after we finish recording this. But I'm going to go Iowa minus six and a half against Michigan State. 
Um, Iowa, Kirk Ferentz has been there for 47 years. Um, I feel like this is a typical crock-potting game. And crock-potting, and I'm talking like low, like the knob is almost turned to off because Iowa is never exciting offensively. But Michigan State, huge win last week against Michigan. All the high. Um, they're just absolutely took it to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. They made, uh, what's his name, uh, Milton, the quarterback at Michigan, they made him look silly. A huge win for Sparty, but I think Iowa gets them at home in their opener. Six and a half is not a lot. I could see like a 27-17 win, um, and 27 would be a ton of points for Iowa. So I'm going to go Hawkeyes here. Um, Easily one of the best traditions in college football that started a couple years ago. I'm excited to see that again. Uh, Even without a full stadium, I I really hope that they still somewhat people turn and wave. Um, But, uh, yeah, going to Iowa. I think this is a good pick. All right. This is a, um, you know, it's, it's a team I probably shouldn't touch. We were in the Mountain West a second ago, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to head back there. Air Force is going to travel to Army. The game starts at 11 o'clock Central Time. So 10 o'clock Mountain Time. And I... I got lucky, and then the and Air Force kind of whipped up on Navy, and then I, I stupidly bet on against Nick Starkle. I should have mm-hmm. known Nick Starkle. You know, the magic out in San Jose State was was going to beat up on Air Force. Um, yeah, yeah, they they played pretty well last week against Boise State. They you know lost 40, 49 to thirty, but that's something to be ashamed of. Scoring thirty on Boise State, but this week, like I said, they're traveling east to Army. It's going to be an early kick, and. The I believe it's the last thirty-three service academy unders. <laughs> the under is twenty-seven and six. So this is a pure principal play. The under's a little low. They keep setting it lower and lower. I think they're trying to see at what point will America no longer take this under. It's at forty-one even. So not a lot of points, but Army's got a pretty good defense. I think Air Force might just be downright bad. I mean, what I saw against San Jose State scoring twenty-three total points. Uh, so give me the under 41. I think this is going to be a slow army crock potting. You, you mentioned that. I, I think it's going to be something like a, a, a 20 to mm-hmm. seven, uh, you know, maybe even maybe even 14 to seven army win. This is my turn. All right. So for my Friday game, I have to choose between Miami and NC state and San Jose state and San Diego state. Austin picked BYU Boise, correct? Um, Mm. So give me – I'm going to take San Diego State minus – what can I get at? Nine. San Diego State minus nine. This game opened. They were 14-and-a-half point favorites. Is there like a COVID issue Mm -hmm. here that I'm not aware of? I mean, that's a huge swing. Uh, Okay, so this is where I'm going with this. Um, San Jose, they beat Air Force at the beginning of the year, and then they beat New Mexico State pretty good. San Diego State has killed their opponents. They killed UNLV, and then they killed Utah State. Um, I the game. This is a considered a rivalry game. Uh, I guess you should say, you could say. Uh, I mean, as much as these schools can be football schools, um, but San Diego State. It's just too much of a line move for me. Five points. 
I'm, I'm at home. My team is, you know, blowing out its opponents, especially programs that you would consider UNLV. I mean, they're a few years from removed from being pretty good. So uh, Utah State, yeah, I, give me San Diego uh, minus nine. Minus nine. I'll take the five and a half point swing. Like Nick said, this is a little bit of a principal play for me. But um, uh, since I'm doing the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I don't have a lot to choose from, and I really don't want to pick a ten point Miami but road favorite head at NC State. State. So State is. this is kind of what I'm left with. That is correct. Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke, right? Yeah. What a call! Log it up. And not only that, but they're playing about like oh, seventy wow. miles away in Carson. They're not even playing in San Diego County. So. Quite a team. Yeah. They're, they're renovating their stadium. You know the old Qualcomm Stadium where the where the Chargers played. Chargers, wow. yeah, totally yeah. tearing it down and, and basically building it back up. Imagine so that play tearing the stadium down and rebuilding uh, at it. The LA Galaxy nicer. Stadium. Wonderful idea. Um, <laughs> all right, I can give my third and <laughs> oh, final. Don't get us started. Are good with that. All right, thank God Ben passed on it because I'm jumping on it. Miami good at it. NC State. NC oh, State yeah. sucks. Miami is surprisingly really good. Uh, I think Derek King <laughs> and the Canes are going to be good enough to beat Dave Doran and the Wolfpack. I still don't think Manny Diaz is that good, but Derek King is. So minus 10.5 feels like easy money here. I don't think the Wolfpack can put up much of a fight. Uh, Miami has a ton of talent on defense. They're fast. Um, I think they're going to be able to cause a lot of issues uh, for NC State. So I'm laying them Hurricanes minus 10.5. Boom. All right. So y'all close us out here. Each, uh, Ben, we'll start with you. Third and final lock. (laughs) There I go on mute again, pulling Nick twice in a row in one night. Um, So for my third lock, I'm going to take Ole Miss against the bye week, right? No, um, uh, give me, Nope. I don't know. Did y'all well, pick yeah, any, uh, take I'll any locks before Florida the break, before I got on? Just, just Florida. Yep. Okay. That's it. There he is. All right. I'm going to take Mississippi state minus 18. Yeah. Over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Matter of fact, Austin or Zach talked about how much NC state sucks. I think, I think Vanderbilt's the worst SEC team I've ever yeah. seen. Um, I'm, yeah. and I'm pretty well versed. We all are in bad SEC teams, <laughs> having lived through one, the end of David Cutcliffe's tenure, the entirety of Ed Orgeron's tenure, and then the end of Houston Nuts' tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know what bad football looks like, what bad defenses look like. I don't think that there's a defense or a team really as bad as what Vanderbilt's putting out there. They are Vanderbilt is a college football team that looks like it has guys like Wesley Carroll at quarterback and but their running back is also Enrique Davis and they're you know like just think of all the very bad players that got to play but they were just really really bad on you know the the bad teams that you remember, and that's what Vanderbilt is. But not only that, they've quit too. So it's 
you know, there's one thing to be bad and play hard. There's a whole next level of suck when you are bad and you also have quit. That is, in Mississippi State, this is a get-right game for them. Mike Leach is going to beat beat Vanderbilt as bad as he possibly can, just to just to show everybody like that, that the air raid can work in the SEC. Yeah, I agree. Ooh, I agree. Putting a lot. I mean, this is probably my biggest play of the week. I'll be honest. If KJ Costello doesn't play, I don't know. It may not. I I don't think it matters. I mean, I really don't. I think that the craziest thing here, the turmoil in state soccer room, all that, I I really don't think it matters. Each player to watch for each category and like who the leading passer, rusher, and receiver is for both teams. The leading rusher coming into this game is JV and Marlowe for Vandy. No Colin Hill. Whoever JV and Marlowe is, I don't know. I don't even remember him playing in the game last week against Ole Miss, but it's not a state, guys, what I'm getting at. Who had, in my opinion, Colin Hill was the second best running back in the conference behind Najee Harris. But yeah. we all know how that went. So Nick, what weird ass game are you gonna take for your third lock? Okay. All right. Oh, I am taking the least weird ass game. UCLA at Colorado. Actually, as sad no? as that okay. is. Uh, I'm taking Clemson minus five and a half. Oh, I wish. I wish I could bet on the boss. I yeah, need to see sorry. something out of the Pac-12. We made that mistake of uh, taking Big Ten teams in their first week. Oh, okay. So I'm going to almost, yeah. Uh, Clemson minus five and a half. Uh, I don't have to say a ton about this other than last week we were, we were kind of talking about how poorly Clemson played in the first half. And and someone <laughs> in the group, I'm not going to call them out, said that BC was whipping them. And I said, well, yeah, yes. But Clemson fumbled at the one, had a 99-yard touchdown return for a touchdown. That that was kind of a 14-point swing, and Clemson was still pretty good. They were still getting – BC was getting like nine yards of play. It's not like – That's true. I mean, they were factually whipping Clemson. But things changed in the second half. DJ Uyangalale was good. I would say say very good for a – true freshman stepping in off of, you know, three days worth of knowing that he was going to be the starting quarterback. He was very good. I mean, his, his stats so far on the season, let's see, let's, let's pull him up here. He's 42 of 60 for 444, two touchdowns and no interceptions. And he doesn't get sacked much. I mean, he is a big bruising guy with an absolute cannon of an arm. And this Clemson defense is really, really, really good. Uh, and the offense uh, is really good. And I don't, I don't love, they're fixing to take an L to the Notre Dame Fighting <laughs> Irish. I cannot believe Absolutely not. I've not liked much at all that I've seen from, from Notre Dame's offense. I mean, Ian Book's not the quarterback that's going to go in and score many points on Clemson. I think this game might be one you want to take with the under, but if it's if it's also going to stay under a touchdown, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and lay those points. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing it at minus five and a half, so lock that in. Man, sharp, Nick. That was a ballsy pick. It's a ballsy pick. (laughs) From Air Force Army to Clemson Notre Dame. All right. Well, as as we are as we are we're prone to do, follow again marquee matchups with equally impressive and and appealing matchups. Let's go to Corvallis, Oregon, for Wazoo against Oregon State. Uh, So Mike Leach is now in Starkville. He left behind a roster that wasn't particularly good outside of Max Borgie, the running back. 
um, the transition from the air raid to the run and shoot is probably not that significant, but it, it's still a new offensive system. Wazoo's breaking in a freshman quarterback, a uh, true freshman quarterback. And Oregon State was sneaky good against the number last year down the stretch. Like, I think they covered uh, four of their last five games were competitive, more so than you probably realize, like in the last five or six of the season. They basically bring everybody back on offense. It's a short number. I think one and a half. Is that what I'm looking at, Nick? Yeah, that's right. One and a half all Mm. across. Lay one and a half with the Oregon State Beavers. Oregon State minus one and a half. Jesus. Um, (laughs) We'll say a bonus pick here. I I just saw this. I can't believe I didn't take it. I I guess I just need to recondition myself that the pack. 12 is actually back um a bonus pick i I would be all over oregon minus 11 against stanford stanford is just not good they haven't been good for a couple years now Uh, i think oregon is going to be out to make statements every single week to try to get into the playoff conversation i really like what mario cristobal's built there so there's a bonus pick for you i like the ducks to cover that If we need a second one to grow on, I like here's here's you a, a hot pick. Oklahoma minus thirty seven. <laughs> I'd lay fifty two. See, I think, but look, because because records don't matter this year, we have to make Kansas Vandy happen in a bowl game. Oh. <laughs> I can't like we have to start a petition. Start a petition. <laughs> But y'all know how that would oh, end. Y'all know it would end up being like 47-46 and be like the most fun they, ball yeah. game of the year. It'd be the most they exciting should, ball game of the make them both the play thing. The, Absolutely. The oh, that sounds terrible. I, yeah. Why don't they just send Why don't they just send them to Nashville, but instead of having the Music City Bowl in the Titan Stadium, just play, to, play it on Vanderbilt's campus. I actually – I have a friend who coached in the Popeye's Bahamas Bowl like three or four years ago and loved it. He was like, dude, if you get a chance to go to that bowl game, you've got to take it. it dude, awesome. dude, the Vandy and Kansas kids deserve the Bahamas after this yeah. season that they're having. No, Van- the Vanderbilt football uh, team deserves God. nothing. Uh, all right, so there's our locks <laughs> for week 10. I'll run them back to you real quick if you got a pen and pad handy. North Carolina minus 10.5, Iowa minus 6.5, Miami minus 10.5. I'm going all favorites this week. Ben, a little more cultured here. Colorado State plus 4, San Diego State minus 9, Mississippi State minus 18. Can't believe I said cultured and Mississippi State in the same 10 seconds. Uh, Rutgers plus 38, Air Force Army under 41, Clemson minus 5.5, Florida plus 3.5, BYU minus 3, and Oregon State beavers minus one and a half so got to get off the snide this week back to back five and seven weeks for the kids uh still in the black but we need to uh we need to create some space we need to uh extend the number on the left instead of the one on the right in the win-loss column so gentlemen any final thoughts as we wrap up week 10 I know. I'm, I'm still dizzy that Nick played five and a half for Clemson. That's going to be a walkover. With on the road. Oh, it's going to be vintage. <laughs> the grass is going to be like knee high. It is. 
Southern Cal, the Bush push game. I swear you you couldn't see you couldn't see people's cleats in that game. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah four not, five, not the strongest there, yeah. SEC week, but uh, Pac-12 is back, so let's all rejoice. It's going to be fun. Um, and it's uh, do we have any coffee uh, coffee football from the West Coast on Saturday? Yeah, noon. Arizona State at Southern Cal. Not. And that's the only early Pac-12 game I'm seeing. And, hey, look, that's something to watch going forward, too. I mean, Nick is right. We probably shouldn't dive in week one in the Mm Pac-12. But those games now are going to kick 9 a.m. local time for some teams. Um, It's pretty crazy. You would think unders might be on the menu out there. So we're really giving up Arizona State USC, which could be a quality late night game, in terms and in, instead to have it take place at Brunch eleven a.m. Central Time. Brunch, bro. <laughs> I'd rather they play on Sundays. I think they're just trying to grab as much. Me too. TV time. Why are they not playing at night? What's the deal? Well, I think they're only going to do what, like one or two games yeah. a week. I mean, they're only doing they own the week, late night. Only doing like, it for like slot t- games. Yeah. To be fair, we've got some pretty Pac-12 games that night. Washington State, Oregon State, and then Washington and Cal. I mean that those are pretty Pac-12. But I would love. Why don't I don't know why do you not play Arizona State USC on Friday night? I'd rather watch that nine thirty on Pac-12 Friday night. Pac-12 is an understatement. Those games are. There's, that's going to be like is, watching this is an evening the slate Premier right League. <laughs> you have Tennessee and Arkansas going on. How that's a primetime game is beyond me. I'll be watching Stanford Oregon, but you've got. South Alabama at Coastal Carolina leading into Washington at Cal, Washington State at Oregon State, and then New Mexico at Hawaii at 11. It's just going to be electric. I can't wait. Um, but, hey, that's going to do it for us. Week 10, Legal Gambling Council. Gentlemen, it's good to uh, finally have all parties involved. Uh, it, November 4th, better late than never, um, unless you're Nevada. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Um, some big games. I think, uh, Clemson Notre Dame is going to be fun. Georgia, Florida will be a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, is it all jokes aside, Arkansas, Tennessee will be interesting. So, uh, that's going to do it. Legal gambling council week 10. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our lovely sponsors with that for Austin, for Ben, for Nick. I'm Zach. This has been podcast rebellion. Thank y'all for listening. Yeah. Thank you.